You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 146. Today, I'm sitting down with Dmitry Politov, and we're talking all about strength in pole. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for joining me in another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson, and I'm super pumped to bring to you an episode we recorded a long time ago. Poor Dimitri, he probably thought that I was not going to publish it. Of course, I was going to publish it. We just had been backed up in our schedule. So I'm really excited to bring this episode to you because Dimitri is an eight-time world champion pole dancer, a Cirque du Soleil artist, and online instructor. He has a background in breakdancing and parkour, and we talk about it in this episode. And after seeing a video of the German pole acrobat Remy Martin in 2011, he began training on lampposts, trees, street signs, pretty much anything that was stood vertical. So in 2012, he purchased his first pole to continue his training the year he won two championships in Russia, International Pole Sport 2012 in St. Petersburg, Mr. Pole Dance Russia 2012 in Moscow, then he took first place as Mr. Pole Dance Russia final 2013. His first place achievements elsewhere are numerous, ranging from competitions in London, Beijing, and Brisbane. Dimitri has also made it into the semifinals twice on both Ukraine Got Talent and Russia Got Talent and teaches pole abroad. In this episode, we dive into the type of training it requires to be that level of an athlete, how he stays resilient in his training. And without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. What's up, Dimitri? How are you? I'm super excited to have you on the show today. What's up, Beverly? I'm super excited too. I can't wait to dive in. So right before I hit record, we were starting to, you were starting to share a little bit about who you are. So I'd love for you to please share with my audience a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there. Uh, my name is Dimitri Palidov. Uh, I'm 32 years old and uh, I'm a pole dancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious. You know, I, I, even when I said, I'm really excited to dive into your pole dancing experience, I said dancing, but is that the right word? Is it a pole athlete? Like, tell me a little bit about what you do. How does it work? Break it down Mm -hmm. for me. Of course, I started with pole dancing as it is, but uh, while practicing any type of dance or art, uh, at some point you reach the, the moment when you realize that you can go a bit above this uh, stereotypical uh, name yeah pole mm-hmm. dancing and um, you start exploring discovering new things researching yourself and uh, the area where you are and uh, for me it's not just um, dancing i mean i dance but also i do uh, tricks as you said at athletism and at the same time um, it's uh, the whole world 
it's just the, the movement. I, I use the pole not as the uh, equipment um, or as a tool, but I use it as, for example, as humans uh, use the floor. When you say, for example, uh, when you see the floor, what do you think about? Uh, do you think about ballet or do you mm -hmm. think maybe about breakdance? But also you can think about martial arts or just walking on the floor or meditating, laying down on the floor. So it's the space for doing whatever you want, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. th that's what the pole for me right now. Oh, I love that. That's I hadn't even thought of it like that before. Now, okay, so I'm looking at now as a pole dancer, can you explain to me a little bit about your journey? Like, what do you do? What is it? How do you get into this competitive nature of it? Like, tell me, tell me, go into your process a little bit, please. Yeah, I was inspired back in the days. It was 2000, uh, 2012. I was inspired by a uh, um, viral video, which was uh, very popular at that time in uh, Russian social medias. It was called The God of Striptease. <laughs> okay, I'm going to Google it. it. <laughs> There was a man, actually, it was uh, nothing about striptease. There was a, a male um, German acrobat, Remy Martin. And uh, at those times when I watched his videos, he was um, wearing the black um, shirt, black pants, and the Justin Bieber haircut, and uh, performing a very romantic and lyrical act on the on Chinese pole, which is covered with the rubber. So, uh, for, I uh, I didn't I have no idea about striptease. I mean I I knew what striptease is, but it uh, there was no association with that at all when I saw that. For me, it was something like uh, you know workout or parkour stuff uh, on the pole mm. on the vertical bar, and I directly started practicing. But as I had no studio, no place for that, uh, that time I was working in Turkey on the contract, and uh, as a dancer, I did the break dance and some parkour stunts. And I started practicing on uh, street signs, street lamps, using any uh, tool, a street tool, which is standing vertical, steady, sometimes not steady, doesn't matter. So uh, I was researching myself and uh, trying some tricks until I bought my own pole. And um, I got into the industry very spontaneously. I didn't watch many other um, guys or girls. I just watched Remy Martin, for me, he was the one inspiration, just one video of him. And um, and then I tried some moves of uh, some moves that I've seen him doing. And some of them I couldn't do. And my body told me, like, oh, maybe you can do instead of this, you can do another way. And um, that's how my style came, came in. Because um, actually it came because of inability of doing something that mm. uh, you want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, and, later, and later I started um, being recognized in um, Russian social medias because I was posting a lot of videos doing my weird tricks and people were like, what? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not pole dance, but I was writing <laughs> the titles, you know, the titles for my videos. I was writing pole dance 2012 or yeah. pole dance tricks, something like this. Yeah. And people were saying this, there is nothing about pole dance. But then I'm like, okay, so if, if it's pole dance, then I need to dance. Then I start dancing. But also when I watched the videos of um, other athletes and artists, I saw they were doing something kind of like a ballet, you know, with the, or contemporary dance with the very beautiful pointed toes and uh, 
beautiful flexibility and splits. Also, I couldn't do that. I started stretching. I started uh, focusing on that, but I realized that it will take me ages to get to that level. So I decided to, to do something that I already can and that goes easy for me. And um, yeah, that, that, that was actually uh, how, I, um, how I started my journey with uh, doing something that, um, that my body allows me. Mm, I love that. That's how you found your style. And I love that. So were you a dancer before? What was your background? Or did you just literally say one day, watch this movie, watch a video and say, oh, I want to do that? Uh, yeah, I was a dancer. I was a break dancer. Mm. Mm, but uh, also um, I grew up in a small town in Russia where there was no um, much of cultural education. I came to the breakdance. It was not even a studio. It was just uh, uh, the underground, which was actually not even rented. Just somebody uh, let the guy, uh, he, the guy asked like, oh, can we use the underground for our dance and practice? And the guy said, okay, whatever, here is the key. So <laughs> don't pay the rent. Yeah. It was like that. And we just, we just had a piece of, um, a smooth piece of, um, I, don't, I don't remember how it's in English, the coverage which you use as a breakdown surface. Mm, um, like a rubber and, uh, floor, like a floor, a springboard, yeah, exactly. like a springy floor, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, nobody uh, taught me. I just came and the guys, the guys were like, oh, welcome. And like, try whatever. And I try <laughs> something. And sometimes some of them can say, oh, no, no, you're doing wrong. And I'm like, thank you. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, the experience. And uh, uh, later I get to the definite level. And, uh, but anyway, in my crew, they, they accept me in their crew. Uh, mm -hmm. I was the, one of the worst in, in mm. the battles. They always mm -hmm. let me first. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> and when I want to go, for example, after, after five rounds, I, I want to go to battle. And they say, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. let, let in, uh, this guy go. And uh, <laughs> it was always like that. <laughs> Yeah, and I felt yeah, very yeah. small there. You know, I had so much uh, a wish, but not much uh, skill. Mm. And uh, but the passion was huge. I really wanted to to gain something. And uh, I realized that when I saw the pole, I realized that it's something that where I can, where, where I'm going to be alone. Nobody tells me what to do, where to go, or like whether to battle or not. I just be in my own world and create. Okay, I love it. And so now it looks like you travel the world. Pole True. dancing. True. Because of uh, pole dancing and um, all the competitions, workshops, uh, performances, I managed to travel around 47 different countries. And some of them I've been uh, many times. And uh, I'm, I'm really um, glad and uh, feel lucky that uh, I get at that time, at that industry, in the right moment with the with the current skill that i that i get and um, yeah it's really cool so how do you balance your your skill acquisition training and also do you have uh, with a you know a, a strength training program because i'm looking at your the moves and the requirement on the body must is like nothing I've ever seen. Mm, so how do you, you train? Much. 
<laughs> How Thank do you, you so train much. for your uh, your your skill? I have uh, I have good habits. Besides mm -hmm. my bad habits, I have some good habits which um, I think work a lot. Like um, every morning, I do some routines which um, which helps me to to support sometimes to gain if I do it often. If I do it not too often, I just support the the current strength level. But uh, the best way for me, I recently realized that actually I was always doing that, but I couldn't uh, explain it because I was telling, oh, you uh, when somebody asked me like, what type of strength training do you do? And I said, uh, you need to do, for example, uh, 50 push-ups, then uh, 30 pull-ups, yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this is, this is uh, kind of not true because yeah. uh, to gain strength, you got to have reason. And um, when I know, for example, when I want to expre express myself and when I build the routine and uh, there are some tricks which I think would be really cool with that sound or with that feeling or emotion which I uh, have at that moment. And this gives me the reason to do the move. For example, it's a really good example, actually. Mm, my, my last act uh, was um, in the World Championship in uh, Italy. Uh, I wanted to do one move with, where you uh, get the shoulder mount position, like you hold yourself parallel to the floor and you um, do this kind of plank. It's called the uh, mm -hmm. shoulder mount plank. And I thought that it would be cool not just to walk into it, but keep walking while holding this position and slide up with your shoulder. Like you, like if you, if you turn the, the pole like this, you would be carrying the pole to the sky, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I started practicing that before my act and I could never, um, I could never do it properly because every time it was very, I was struggling a lot because my, whether my butt was too low or my legs dropped or something happened. And I, and I thought, oh, maybe I need more strength training. And I started doing a lot of front levers and stuff, but it, it worked, but give very few percentage of what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But when I got the idea of my act and I realized that now I have a reason to, to be able to do that move. And mm -hmm. Actually, to tell the truth, my preparation for competition was like uh, one and a half week. So I've, I've nailed the move at that uh, time period. It's very short time period because it really, when you, when you have a reason and it reason is supported by your emotional state, um, this is the key, I think. And you, need, mm. you don't need to waste a lot of time for uh, like stupid workout i would say yeah not not, not stupid mm -hmm. it's a bad word i think uh, not reasonable workout yeah or be i work out without intention yeah for sure yeah. i totally get that exactly. yes so i you know what are how do you maximize how do you optimize your recovery like what does your recovery process look like my recovery is a, a good sleep that's it that's it so do you, do you move practice every day? Yes. Every day. Mm -hmm. Even, even when I'm traveling, when I'm at the airport and I understand that I want to do something, but there is no pole. So I just do whatever I do. Handstands, flips, splits, depending on what I have around. If I have some bars at the airport, I use them. So I, I don't let myself, uh, to degradate, <laughs> always try to, uh, to be in motion. Mm. So do you ever take time off ever? 
When was the last time you went a whole I day? Took, <laughs> I took times off. I took times off. It was my first uh, COVID experience when I had uh, eight days of uh, uh, out of training. Oh, that was my, my glutes were hurting as hell. My lower <laughs> back and my glutes, I don't know why. Actually, that I thought it's not the muscles I really uh, focus on. But uh, yeah, that was um, the longest time, I think, when I didn't, uh, when I, uh, didn't practice at all. I was just laying down. And my second mm. COVID experience was kind of the same. But mm. uh, intentionally, um, for example, when, I'm, when I feel tired, um, I train anyway, but not, not too much. Just, I do something, uh, what my body, um, what my body tells me is okay for me at the moment, mm-hmm. but I don't mm-hmm. cross the limit. I don't push myself too much unless it's a competition preparation or something like that. Yeah. So it's interesting. You bring up a paradox, I think, and I'm curious how you navigate it. And just in the sense that, you know, as an athlete, as a mover, as someone who uses their body almost for the majority of their life, right? You're very in tune with what the body needs, right? However, as an athlete, as someone who's competitive, you're also probably can push the limit to know the boundaries of, okay, no, I, I'm in athletic performance. I need to push a little bit. How do you navigate between your athletic brain, that, that mind that knows you can push limits in order to change, to get to that next level, as well as recognizing, oh, wait, I need to chill. This is, this is serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Um, actually, I never, um, never think about pushing the limit uh, mm. I just uh, I, I let it happen naturally I I have this intention but it's kind of hidden you know mm-hmm. I understand that uh, if I do this if I keep doing this and focus on this uh, for example routine or uh, movements or mind state uh, it will bring me uh, to the level where I find myself already pushed the limit you know what mm. I mean yeah so I do it, yeah, it's not it's not something that I do on purpose. It just happens uh, when you when you're really into it, when you when you focus a lot. And um, it's not just the, the physical ability. I think it's a lot about the mind state because um, mm-hmm. uh, we're also a very good uh, example. There is a there is one move which till till now I can't do. Uh, and it's very simple. It's uh, even the, the kids are doing it in gymnastics in the beginner classes. They do kind of like, even, you know, when they visit uh, on the floor and then they and deadlift their legs into the handstand. I can do the handstand. I can do visit. I can do deadlifts on the pole. But uh, this thing, I was really curious. And once my friend uh, told me like he, he, he can do this uh, deadlift and he told me, oh, probably for you, this deadlift is nothing. I said, no, I, I actually can't do that. I tried a few times, but I couldn't. And then he goes, oh, really? Like you, you are such a uh, famous athlete in that uh, area, in that field, yeah, in pole dancing. It's, it's a very small world anyway. And um, he told me, and you can't do deadlift. I said, no, I never thought about that. And then, and, uh, then I start practicing because I feel, I felt like guilty that I can't do this <laughs> move, you know, a bit ashamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I decided, mm-hmm. okay, every morning I will do this and later I will nail it. But um, the reason was just to not feel ashamed, you know, for that. 
Mm-hmm. And every yeah. morning I was practicing, but it just till now it didn't improve much because uh, my body understands that I don't need it. It's mm-hmm. not uh, it's not something um, that that makes sense for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I do. So you let it go. So it was it was not enough of a reason to continue practicing the skill. Exactly, exactly. You, you can do it as a part of conditioning, you know, just to keep your muscles um, in tonus, yeah, to keep them um, in different, to keep them moving in different directions. But, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't make me like grow, you know, physically. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. keeps me at the definite level somewhere. But something mm-hmm. that has, that something that has um, a, a big reason for me, some moves which I, when I, Sometimes I uh, travel when I'm in the plane, just listen to uh, the music and the picture of me doing some move just appears in my head with the, for example, with that music and I I can just come sometimes Mm -hmm. and do it straight away because uh, you get to the state when your uh, body and mind just get together at the same time Mm -hmm. being prepared already without mm-hmm. any um how can i say without spending time for learning and drilling then you drill to make it perfect mm-hmm. yeah, so that's how i come up with things oh that's yeah it's it's that's cool now how many oh you know you when you sit a good night's sleep how many hours are you sleeping um sometimes uh, it, it depends if um, if i stay somewhere like mm-hmm. um, longer than a week. Mm, the best time for me is about uh, seven, eight hours. But if I sleep less than seven hours, I mean, I mm. can function. But um, if I want to have productive functionalism, yeah, then it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Do you teach? Yes, I teach a lot. I teach uh, internationally, uh, mm-hmm. online. I have my camp right now uh, in Turkey. It's based in Turkey. Mm-hmm. I build the area in a very beautiful place. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's a place where people come from all over the world, and I share my experience, and I let them also develop their creativity with tricks, not just uh, pushing people to do my way. Yeah, if I see somebody is doing. Like some people ask me, oh, I did this, but I think it was wrong. I said, no, it's not wrong. It's just your way. If you feel more comfortable, then keep going like this and develop it. Mm. So now people who come to your camp, are these people who are beginners? They're competitive. Are they wanting to compete? Like what are some of the reasons people start to develop this skill? Actually, there are so many different reasons why people come. For example, uh, yeah, I have uh, levels from zero to the beast. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mm. in in my first camp, there were some girls and boys which are already doing incredible tricks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, some of them were doing tricks that I can't do. For example, there was a girl from uh, US. Uh, she was uh, practicing flips a lot. She was really um, possessed with flips, with pole flips. But at the same time, she was very flexible. She could do rainbow marchenko, you know, take your leg, pull it. Mm-hmm right here with oh. the butt on your on your head mm-hmm. something like that yeah and at the same time i had the beginners who mm-hmm. were just uh, they just saw the video saw the 
advertisement in Instagram and we were very inspired and wanted to, to see how it is to meet other people. And sometimes there are people who just, who didn't even know me before and they, they just also saw advertisement or some friend told them, oh, go there, it's a really cool place just mm -hmm. as a, for experience and they come and then they discover many more things and we meet. Oh, I love that. I love that. So can you share with us a little bit about your process? How do you take someone who is new to getting them on the pole and finding their own creativity? Mm -hmm. um, of course, I, I do the warm up first. Uh, in the warm up, I do some uh, little tricks, like which everybody can do. And I judge already during the warm up. I already uh, judge by the the movements that they do, which level they are at, and what I can give them. So I don't plan my program. Before I was planning, like writing on the paper, which moves I'm going to learn, uh, teach them and etc. But now I don't do that. It's always on the spot and uh, happens accordingly to the level of students. And if it's the beginner, for example, uh, in my last camp, I had a girl from uh, California. She was, she's been practicing just for two months. And she couldn't even invert, just going mm -hmm. upside down with your body upside down, holding the pole with both hands. And uh, yeah, I uh, when I show the moves, like even some basic tricks, which just require the invert, that's it. And, mm -hmm. and I see that she cannot. So I just give her separately, give her uh, exercises, like mm -hmm. conditioning exercises, but which are not just workout, which also fun, which uh, include some transitions, some easy transitions in between, which require a little focus, you know, and it makes them feel more, um, how can I say, so that they don't Confident. get bored. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they, don't, mm -hmm. they don't get bored with this exercise because uh, in, while focusing on the steps and which leg goes first and blah, blah, um, and trying to, to, to look good at, at it, uh, they at the same time conditioning and um, gain some strength. Of course, it doesn't happen in one day. Uh, some people, I mean, I can see that some people can do it just without knowing the technique. I just have to explain them the technique and they directly nail the move. But when I see the uh, people have um, lack of strength, of course, it would be uh, useless to explain them technique without mm -hmm. having strength. Yeah, so I just mm -hmm. uh, tell them to condition and uh, mm, if they want to nail something, because I know everybody wants to nail, because you can't condition for one year and wait well uh, until you nail your first full move. Of course, you got to mm -hmm. do at least something. And I show something that this person is uh, able to do. That's how I build mm -hmm. my uh, teaching process. Did she end up inverting by the end? Yes, actually, you yes. can uh, you can check. Uh, if, I don't know if you if you um, uh, if you follow the in my IG, I post the videos of um, like, for example, of our fails or of mm -hmm. our, our success. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. that girl, she she was dreaming about Aisha. Is the move when you hold the pole uh, with both hands like a mm -hmm. like a human flag, but with your legs up and mm -hmm. uh, in pike or straddle. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was so excited about that move and she said but i think i won't be able to do this because i can't even invert and she did a lot of conditionings and we train every day and mm -hmm. um, we had just i mean no we train two days one day off uh, sometimes more 
but it's about mm -hmm. like three or four hours of training every day. And also we have a gyms where we just play around. So actually all day long you do pole and a lot of <laughs> uh, tricks. And uh, I had, um, yeah. And the problem was that she couldn't lift her hips up because she didn't have mm -hmm. enough strength for that. Uh, but I, I told her that uh, you have enough strength to hold the position. And I said, yeah, but how I get into the position? Um, that's another question. And um, I have an air track, which is bouncing like trampoline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I explained her the position of her shoulders and hands so that she could be able to hold herself. And I actually even lifted her with my hands into that position mm -hmm. so that she could feel it. And mm -hmm. then I, I told her, let's jump, like hold the, uh, the pole with your hands and just jump with this trampoline, just bounce and let your hips go higher and higher each time until you feel yourself in that position that I put you before. And that's the way she nailed her first Aisha actually in like in eight days. Oh, that must've, she must've felt so happy. Yeah, yeah, and I recorded that uh, moment of happiness when she jumped on her partner yeah. screaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. That's cool. You know, what are some of the things that you find? You know, when I hear you tell that story, to me, it sounds like she just was almost. She had almost told herself, "I can't do it. I can't do it," and she was just like repeating that over and over in her mind until she, find you know, until you know, see it to believe it. So, I'm curious with the people that you work with and for you as well, what are some of the common, what are some of the common struggles that people need to get over in order to get to that next level? Um, it depends. Most of the struggles is of course, lifting the heaviest parts of our body. The strength. It's, um, yeah. It's a strength of course. And especially when you want to do like uh, flips, the moves which require uh, not just deadlifting your um, uh, hips with your legs, but doing it really fast and explosive. Um, mm. Before, for me, it was it was really very easy because uh, because of parkour and because my lower body is really uh, tiny. I mean, my my legs are skinny. I don't have a big butt, you know, and mm -hmm. um, my body structure is like that. So for me, it's really easy to lift my hips up. But uh, some people who who didn't exercise uh, before and they have um, like uh, big muscles, you know, big quadriceps mm -hmm. and glutes mm -hmm. uh, or just heavy. Of course, it's hard and uh, they struggle a lot with this. And I think this is the, um, how can I say, the, the main struggle, yeah, the most mm -hmm. common struggle. Uh, but there is another struggle as well, is um, mental, mm. is uh, confidence. When people um, being really careful and uh, I see, I clearly can see that this person can do it, but because of the fear, um, it slows down. And I, and I tell like, yeah, it's, it's correct, but now you just have to do it faster because otherwise there, will, there, there won't be any momentum created. And they start fast and then, and slow mm. down again. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> so... With this, uh, with this thing, I mean, you can talk forever. Yeah, you can mm -hmm. say very, uh, very wise things to the person, but um, until you feel that you can do it, you won't be able. I mean, unless you have like a really uh, strong wish or mm -hmm. a big reason. And I just, sp I'm spotting those people 
um, few times. And uh, for example, like also, it's be- it's good to talk with examples. There was a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to do one flip fly away, which requires technique only. It doesn't mm-hmm. uh, require much of a strength because you kind of jump on the pole and throw your legs to one side around the pole and you create the pendulum. And once you, you start the movement correct, the pendulum just goes on. You don't need to do much, actually. Just mm-hmm. you need to hold yourself. All the strength you need is just holding yourself with hands on the pole. That's it. And uh, she could do it easily. But she was not sure because when she saw that flip, she said, oh, no, 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 I will never be able to do that. It's like, it's a crazy flip. I said, no, you just try to hold yourself. She hold. I said, you see, you can hold yourself. Try to do the pendulum. She, she did the pendulum. I explained the technique. And uh, once she felt her pendulum goes really high and actually lifts her hips without even, um, without any struggle because it happens due to, to the technique and due to the physics yeah, and she was so uh, excited and uh, mm-hmm. surprised at the same time. And then I started spotting her for the flip. So I just uh, catch her in the mm-hmm. in the moment when she lifts her hips. And then I say, release your hands and just mm-hmm. let me do everything for you. And she just mm. relaxes. Yeah, trust me. Sometimes they don't trust and they directly cover <laughs> my neck with their legs, you know, <laughs> or try to kill me. <laughs> after, after yeah also i have the videos like that yeah, after yeah, yeah. many tries after many tries of me spotting them then they get to the moment when they feel confident because they understand they can do it without me but mm. of course there is a mental fear so we do it few more times or maybe it takes few days and at the end of the camp the girl nailed the flip i was just you know touching her she couldn't do mm-hmm. without my touch because it was it was just mental and mm-hmm. once i said yeah, yeah, yeah i'm touching you and then she just do it and i kind of stay close but don't do nothing and she nailed yeah it's not it's not a easy process and uh, you can't say i mean it's individual it depends on it depends on the person's skill the person's confidence and Mm -hmm. uh, mind mind Mm -hmm. state Mm. so what's been the hardest move for you to Mm -hmm. learn what was the hardest move for you technique and strength wise for you to learn how'd you overcome it Mm-hmm. Actually, the hardest move for me, I think it was um, it was devil drop. The move, which is um, it's like when you just sit on the pole, hold the pole with your hands and legs mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. and you jump up, release your hands, do the front flip in the air. And mm-hmm. catch the pole back with your hands and feet, uh, and being really careful because the ball is so close to your face at that time. And yeah, that that move uh, took me um, a lot of uh, exercises and a lot of tries and attempts. And even till now, there was a moment when I nailed it, and I I was doing it actually for my warm up. And in each performance, I was doing it since two thousand like. Uh, 14 until 2016 and then my friends told me Dimitri stop doing that movie we already tired in every performance you do that and uh, and I just forgot about that move for a while like a few years and of course without uh, practice I I didn't I wouldn't say I lost the uh, skill but I lost the confidence a bit so now mm-hmm. I'm getting it back 
but actually yeah it takes uh, for me it took a lot of um a lot of time yeah and uh, of course mm. all the flexibility moves which which require back flexibility i just can't do because my back is not flexible at all and um, i i don't focus much on it i just stretch my legs but uh, when i concerning the back stretching i just do it for my uh for my health yeah but not for mm. like extreme stretching for doing tricks because i know it will take ages just to get to the you know to to the beginning of intermediate level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Um, I love that. Now, I'm also curious, you know, as you, as you have now invented your own, not invented, but you've let creativity inspire you to develop your own technique, essentially. Are there other moves that you're currently working on that you're trying to nail that are not created by you? <laughs> Uh, actually, I, I don't really like uh, working on moves unless basics, like, for example, shoulder mounts or human flags or mm -hmm. cupids, which mm -hmm. are, I would love to know who create those moves. But I think uh, it's it's almost impossible because mm -hmm. uh, you find one guy somewhere like uh, in Korea and mm -hmm. then somebody finds another guy even older and longer ago somewhere in china you know mm -hmm. so it's impossible but uh, for the moves which somebody creates and mm -hmm. uh, for me it's like how can i say it's like something that no maybe it's a bad comparison but it's something like uh, kissing uh, a wife of your friend Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah i get it yeah you feel like it's not it's not yours it's not yeah even even I know if what I you're know saying that, even yeah even if i try and even if i nail this i'm still not gonna be happy because i understand okay so what i've nailed the move but which somebody already created before me and um, i'm not gonna be too much happy about that so i mm. prefer uh creating myself and drilling the moves that I created myself. And uh, for example, I have friends who mm, do a lot of uh, sp power spins and mm -hmm. uh, I saw them doing that every time and they uh, they challenged me. They challenged me mm -hmm. and saying, Dimitri, you always do your flips or these moves, but why you don't do spins? You can't do them or what? Mm -hmm. I said, no, no. When I explained them this situation, they said, no, it's just the reason that you cannot. You practice, but you probably cannot nail. And uh, that was a challenge. So mm -hmm. I did those moves just for them, you know, to prove it's uh, mm -hmm. it's like a boys' game, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, but mm -hmm. generally, I don't focus. I don't focus much on on the like on the signature on someone else's signature tricks. Mm, I see. Okay, that's fair. Uh, do you still incorporate breakdancing into your sport? Yes, of course. Yeah, uh, so actually, you're still I'm, dancing. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm dancing like I did before in battles or something. I, I'm using the skill from my past. Sometimes I'm mm -hmm. improving it if I need it for the pole, but I, uh, I don't do it like a real b-boy, you know, not the b-boy, mm -hmm. which is in the culture of breakdancing. Mm -hmm. I'm just using it uh, as a tool for creating the new stuff on the pole. Mm. Love it. What are some of your favorite places to practice your practice your moves? 
You mean uh, um, the the geographically or? Yeah, um, both. Give me both. Like locations. Where okay. do you love okay, to? Where do you love to play? Do you need the address as well? Do you need the address? No. As well? <laughs> yes, I'm booking <laughs> my flight right now. <laughs> okay. Actually, um, there are two places which are mm, really good for for me, which I feel like um, filled with my uh, with my spirit of confidence. Uh, it's in Ukraine, when I started, uh, I was uh, I moved uh, into Ukraine in 2012 or even 2010, and I opened the studio there. But actually, that studio was not for earning money because you can't earn a lot of money with that sport in that country. But uh, it was more like my playground where I can come at any time and I can do whatever I want as long as I want. And uh, I said it for myself. I uh, I bought the huge mats. I found the uh, high ceilings where I can set the really high poles. Mm -hmm. And I was practicing my all my flips. Actually, most of my flips that I created and that I've learned uh, happened over there in Ukraine. It's a small town, Cherkasy, where my son lives right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a studio. And now um, uh, my ex-wife opened uh, one more studio close to the, mm -hmm. to that one. And uh, when I come there, and uh, I know, for example, when I want to nail some new scary flip, that's the mm. place where I'm going to drill. Where that. you go. Mm, I yeah. see. So the, like the place where you get the most inspiration is there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And, uh, and another place is the new place, which I feel very uh, spiritually clear. Um, it's uh, in Turkey, in that mm -hmm. village where I build the camp. Uh, there is a like a hotel or a guest house. Uh, mm -hmm. And on the roof of that house, the, the guy built a terrace in um, in the style of a Shaolin monk's monastery, you know, mm -hmm. with this mm -hmm. type of roofs, um, which looks really inspiring. When I just saw that, I'm like, wow, that looks like Shaolin monastery. And mm -hmm. uh, when I came there, I set the poles and I asked who were who was here before me. Like, did some people practice here something? And he said only meditative practices yoga mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. teachers and this type of people and actually the hotel was built just for for them that area mm -hmm. is very is very sacred area in turkey mm -hmm. because the mm -hmm. the turtles come uh, to the beach of uh, chirali and um, they they put their eggs over there so there is a turtle police and they don't allow uh, big resorts with uh, you know mm -hmm. with a lot of people and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. drinking alcohol mm -hmm. and having huge swimming yes, pools it. and making noise. So you can when you arrive there, it's like a different Turkey. It's uh, surrounded by mountains with the sea in front and very calm. The building is not higher than three floors, um, and uh, you feel very how can I say um, spiritually? You feel very calm and confident mm -hmm. over there. Peaceful. And, uh, when I, yeah, peaceful. Yes, true. So that place is the second. Mm, it's beautiful. I can see on your Instagram there are gorgeous photos. Thank it, you. It's Thank funny you very because much. you said you said that because I can see the one place that you're talking about. And when I looked at it, I thought, man, those that looks like a yoga retreat studio true. where people go and do their yoga retreats. Yeah, and we do that actually. <laughs> Uh, during my camp, we do that in the morning. Uh, mm -hmm. Every morning, we start with the 
with the yoga, but not, it's like my own uh, way to wake up. Yeah. We do mm-hmm. bre- breathing exercises, sometimes meditating mm-hmm. and stretching and conditioning all at the same time. How long are your camps? Uh, normally I run them for 10 days, almost every month or every two months, depending on the season. Mm. The last mm-hmm. one, the last one was uh, uh, in January, and the next one will be uh, in April. Amazing! Coming up, April's coming up. You know, <laughs> yeah. it must have been an interesting. I want to be mindful of your time, so. But it must have been an interesting time during the pandemic and COVID and all the traveling. Like, how did that have an impact in your sport? Uh, that's very true. Um, we all are tired of this pandemic times. Yeah, we're all fed yeah. up of the, uh, wearing the masks, following these uh, rules, which uh, they, they, I understand they have reason, but it's mm-hmm. so annoying, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. many people were afraid to come and mm-hmm. uh, they, they thought that it might be dangerous or it might be um, not good traveling at that time. But who was brave enough at the first mm. camp, which I organized, um, I had the one girl from New York. She, since the pandemic just started until the date of her departure to my camp, she didn't leave her house. Mm. All the mm-hmm. time they were staying like, you know, like in those movies about apocalypses, when you just stay in your house. Uh, oh, I know. Nowhere. Yeah. I'm in New York. I know. <laughs> okay so yeah you know <laughs> but, yes but maybe maybe uh, that's why because uh, you were really following those rules and uh, that's why you opened the first the first country in the world who was free of the um, of quarantine was u.s mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. um, most of my students were from u.s and i was wondering why because it's so expensive to fly from uh, u.s to turkey and then they said, oh, because we are open right now. Australia is closed. The borders are closed. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pakistan also was closed. I mean, it was hard for, for Pakistan people to get uh, to Turkey. Uh, some European countries also closed. And uh, always some problems with Russia and Turkey in between. So, like, mm-hmm. there was a period when uh, the borders, the avia connections were closed. So you had to travel, like, 24 hours by plane through other countries to Turkey, which normally takes you just two and a half hours. So yes, and when you come, when you come there, you realize because the village is really small. It's uh, in, uh, it's located in the valley. It's protected by uh, UNESCO, mm-hmm. and it's a very small village. There are just few restaurants and uh, not too many tourists. Actually, most of the tourists are yoga yoga teachers and uh, instructors and, or their students. And there, when you come there, actually you forget about COVID at all because you don't need to wear masks nowhere. I mean, uh, they still have these signs, you know, like don't enter without mask. But all the waiters, all the owners of the restaurants, they, they don't wear them. And when, for example, some people come with masks and they like, you know, they look, um, mm. They, it seems like they're only ones who wear them. And then they just, mm-hmm. oh, okay, oh, do we need to wear a mask? No, no, mm. here is fine. So it's just like that. And uh, we never had any bad cases there. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's something to escape, you know, mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. from these times. Yes. And for, for me sure. as well. Yes. 
for sure. Okay. Last question. And then I'll let you go. Uh, what, how do you navigate the fear, especially for either yourself or for your clients, but the fear of injury mm. and have you had to manage, you know, over, over training in, or, 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 you know, injury from the myth lift. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, mm, I don't, I mean, uh, before doing any move, before teaching any move, which uh, can cause injury, which I know can cause because uh, things like flips, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, uh, on your landings, you can, you never know, I mean, until you feel confident, you never know how you land. And uh, sometimes even stupid landing can cause injury if you're not prepared. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I break down each move into different parts, many different parts, uh, including the landing, where you mm -hmm. can work on your landing separately, just with different angle. But um, you drill them separately. I see if the person can do all of these steps confidently and is mm -hmm. aware of why we are doing these steps. Because some people, I met people who don't realize why we are doing that. They say, I show the move and then I show the exercise and people are like, oh, but what is this? Why mm -hmm. we do this? I say, go lay down on your back, roll through mm -hmm. your right shoulder, for example. Yeah, some people who don't understand, I just don't let them do it because when you're not aware of what and why you are doing, uh, of course, injury uh, comes up. Uh, but at the same time, I I feel it's it's completely... I mean, for myself, not for clients or my students, mm -hmm. uh, but for myself, injury is not uh, something that stops me because I understand injury is uh, temporary. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes injuries give me um, more, um, how can I say, like not motivation, but stimulus and more... Mm -hmm. um, more mind work because we yeah. so much focus on our bodies, but uh, we forget that what what controls our bodies is our mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, mm -hmm. last January, I mm, I had a, a fracture when your mm -hmm. shoulder just like and just dangling down without uh, being able to move. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. I, yeah, and I had an operation. But, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God, how I'm going to uh, teach your classes and how I'm going to do yeah. this stuff without the hand. And uh, they put me, the sur surgeries put me two uh, metal, um, like plastines to attach oh, my yeah. uh, collarbone to my shoulder mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and one wire to not let it rotate. And they told me that you have to like six months, six, seven months, you carry this metal without doing anything. And after six months, we take them out and you start doing the rehab rehabilitation. And I was like, oh my God, that's a long time. So from the beginning, I focused on my on development without that hand. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm without hand right now. Like um, mm -hmm. there are people who, who don't have both hands, you know, or both legs, but they still yeah. practice. And yeah. yeah. So, so it was actually, for me, it was very exciting and I was not sad at all because I, uh, for example, some of my friends, when they get injured, they're very sad or depressed mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. don't train. They're like, oh my God, what I'm going to do. But mm -hmm. I created a course, which I called Look Mom, No Hands. 
when I um, combine all the moves which I could do without using my hands at all. Yeah, which were safe and um, and easy to do. So like you could still look incredible keeping your hands in your pockets. And that uh, is I was so not... cool. Is that for yeah, beginners? Yeah. Can beginners play with that too, or is that for your advanced <laughs> uh, your advanced pole people? Uh, for that are like uh, for beginners that are shapes to learn. Mm. But for advanced who already can do these shapes, there are cool entrances like jumps in without hands or dismount mm. uh, and jump out of that moves. So it's kind of mixed level depending on the on the student's level. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Look, Ma, no hands. That is a really cute title too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. All right. So thank you so much for sharing your journey, giving us insight. I love listening to other athletes stories and how they have, how, how there's so many, we all battle very similar things just in different contexts. So sometimes it's really nice to just hear a different context. So You're I'd right. love for you to share with us for those of you who want to learn more, who want to try this out, want to look into your retreats, like where are the best places I can send them? Mm. You mean for those who uh, who want to learn? Who want to learn more to... about you? For mm. people who want to learn I... more about you, learn about learn more about your offerings. Where are the best places I can send them? Okay, uh, I think the best place is uh, social media, of course, mm -hmm. at the moment, at the time, mm -hmm. it, it are difficult times, but mm -hmm. also is my camp where you can come and uh, train and actually have a real experience, and which is really cool, I think, and better than any online classes. Mm -hmm. And by the way, uh, yesterday I was at the uh, premiere of the movie about me, the, the okay. Russian uh, producer, uh, mm -hmm. The movie and movie director they created a cool documentary about um, uh, five dancers with mm -hmm. um, about their way like how they um, come up with things how they train how they prepare for competition how they struggle how they fail about uh, dancers life that's so cool and uh, yeah and uh, it's called solo documentary Uh, and uh, yesterday they were talking about like international sales and they said now they're selling it to us and to europe and i was really excited because for me it was a big thing you know mm -hmm. happening when they when they were recording i thought it would be something you know some movie on youtube mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was a really big thing actually yesterday yeah that's cool that was, mm -hmm. yeah. that's cool all right we'll definitely link all of that up then for sure <laughs> okay. cool Thank you, Dimitri. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Beverly. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me too. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.